Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Um, we're going to be in continuing in our series in Luke, Luke 9, uh, verses 51 to 62. I know we don't do this too often, but would you join me in standing as we read through this passage together? So when the days were coming to a close for him to be taken up, he determined to journey to Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead of him, ahead of himself, and on the way they entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But they did not welcome him because he determined to journey to Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume them? But he turned and rebuked them, and they went to another village. As they were traveling on the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus told him, foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. And Lord, he said, Lord, first let me go bury my father. But he told him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and spread the good news of the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to those at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Praise God. So you, you may take your seats. The, so the message for uh, this, or the title for this message, um, I got it there as um, worth following, but I want to actually edited a little bit in the moment to uh, not easy, but worth following. See, we, we live in a day where following people has actually really uh, become a lot easier, right? You think about it, you can be laying in your bed and decide in a moment after scrolling on your phone that you, you want to follow someone, you click a button and it's done, right? You don't even have to sit up. And um, we really don't have to give a lot of thought um, on the other end to whether or not this person was worth following uh, completely, because just as easy as we follow, we can unfollow, right? And, and so following has become easier in many cases, but there is one person who over the years following hasn't gotten any easier. 
and that's Jesus. This is because the requirements for this commitment haven't changed, just as the word of God has not changed. To follow Jesus, we are called to live in opposition to the world around us. We're called to continually be on guard for an enemy, a spiritual enemy, who hates us and wants to destroy us. And we're called to continually deny our flesh gratification that it desires, gratification that it it learned to desire during our time outside of the faith. And so there's so much that we are called to give up and called to work against in following Jesus. And so we know following Jesus is not easy. But just like so many of the things we do in our lives that aren't easy, we do it because we know and we believe that he's worth it. Amen? And so I have a simple takeaway that that I hope to make clear in this message. That is, following Jesus is not easy, but it's worth it in the end. Following Jesus is not easy, but it's worth it in the end. So verse 51 begins with letting us know that Jesus has determined to head to Jerusalem. Earlier in the passage, we actually learned that heading to Jerusalem is actually Jesus fulfilling his mission of giving his life to pay for the sins, for our sins. This is a a massive mission. It's a mission of mercy. But from 52 to 56, we see that Jesus has a couple disciples who have been following him um, throughout the time and throughout this chapter we've seen. And they're also following him on as he's on this mission. But in a moment, they forget what this mission is. It's a mission of mercy. And Jesus has to, he's got to set them straight. It says he rebukes them and goes on his way with them to another village. This is actually going to be um, a bit of a pattern for Jesus throughout this, the rest of this passage where he will, he will face people who desire to follow, but Jesus is going to have to set them straight so that they know what it takes to follow. Look at verse 57 with me again. It says, As they were traveling on the road, some said, uh, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus told him, Foxes have dens, and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So we see a very enthusiastic man, He's, he's saying, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus says to him, you can follow me, but understand, I am a homeless man. Jesus is actually doing something that seems, uh, seems contrary to the, the, the goal of actually wanting people to follow you. He tells him the, the bad thing that he should expect out the gate. And this is actually something that helps us to understand what Jesus is actually seeing in this man's heart. 
See, Jesus is seeing that this man hasn't really thought about what this commitment will require. And and we learn something about Jesus in this. We learn that he doesn't desire for ignorant, blissfully ignorant followers. Jesus doesn't want us following because it looks good. He actually wants us to know what we are committing to. To follow Jesus, we must understand the commitment. And this actually reminds me of when I was uh, doing CPR training a couple years ago. Um, During that training, there was a a very um, passionate, um, very passionate trainer that I had. He had over 20 years of experience doing uh, first aid response, and he was uh, sharing with us just so many things in that time. It was about seven hours, so you can imagine how much we were learning in that. Um, one vivid memory that I have that he shared with me was of uh, something that could happen when we were doing uh, mouth-to-mouth. So mouth-to-mouth, as it is, sounds horrifying to me, <laughs> to put my mouth on a stranger. But one of the things that he actually explained is um, when you're in the process of this, so remember, this is man with over 20 years of experience. He's like, when you're in the process of doing mouth-to-mouth, one of the things that can happen, and anyone who's who's done CPR knows what I'm talking about, or training knows what I'm talking about. He says, that person that you're giving this um, life-saving, um, doing this life-saving effort of mouth-to-mouth on, can actually vomit in that moment. And so I say no more because exactly your expression is how I felt. That's exactly it. And as horrifying as it was to hear that this could happen, and as close as I was to calling it a day and walking out on it, I actually appreciated that this trainer took the time to tell me exactly what to expect. See, CPR and first aid is something that is so crucial in that moment of emergency that he knew this commitment needed to be well-informed. And this is what Jesus is doing here. He is letting this man understand that this commitment that he's making needs to be well-informed. Jesus wants us to understand the commitment that we're making because when we understand this commitment, we can actually, one, we, 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 we aren't easily um, deterred in the moment. We're not surprised. We're not caught off guard by the things that happen. We can actually prepare for it. And, and so to continue on in that story, that, that, that wonderful trainer, he, he's wonderful now because he explained a little bit further that there is actually a device that you can purchase to put in place so that if this horrifying thing happens, you're not the direct you know what I mean? And, and so he told us, you can, you can purchase something that you put there. And, and I want to submit that, that God has actually done the same thing for us. He's given us his word that helps us to prepare for the times in life where we will experience the vomit of this world. And by preparing ourselves according to his word, according to what Jesus says, we can actually be prepared 
for the disappointments, for the discouragement, for the rejection that will come with following Jesus. Amen? So we continue on. So in verse 59, then he said to another, follow me. This man says, Lord, first, let me go bury my father. But he told him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and spread the good news of the kingdom of God. This man gives what seems like a reasonable request to Jesus, especially in this time, and I'm really in our time too, because I don't think there's anyone here who wouldn't um, want to get back to take care of their family member if they're passing away. And there's a little bit of question as to whether or not this is as clear to us in our day as it was then, but one of the things we see is Jesus' response to this man. It seems kind of harsh, but we've, we've, we've got to understand that what Jesus is actually doing is important in two very specific ways. The first thing, the man calls Jesus Lord. And this makes all the difference who he's talking to. Lord means that Jesus calls the shots. It means he's in charge. And it's just like when I was growing up and my dad would call, it didn't matter what I was doing, I needed to leave it and to go to him immediately. See, he determined in that moment what my priority was. No matter what I thought it was, if he called, he was saying, being here at this moment is your priority. And this is what Jesus is showing. That's the first thing. The second thing that is so important for us to see is he says, let the dead bury their own dead. And this reminds us of a very important reality that we experience in this life. And that is that those who are outside of the faith, and in fact, when we were outside of the faith, this was us, that we are, that they are the walking dead. That we are dead in our sin and trespasses. And this is important because that, that helps us to understand why Jesus prioritized this, this call that he's giving to this man, a call to action. And the action is go spread the gospel. There is an urgency for spreading the gospel because it is a life and death, life or death emergency. Nothing in that moment where, where someone is dying, there is nothing that should take precedence over saving their life. And this is what Jesus is actually calling us to, to follow Jesus. We must prioritize the mission. Amen? And, and so it's important to understand that Jesus isn't saying taking care of our families is not important. It's not what he's saying at all. In fact, many passages throughout the scripture, Jesus actually instructs us to take care of our families and to, to see that as an important task. But because spreading the gospel is a life or death emergency, we prioritize it even to the degree that the people we start with are our family members, are those closest to us. And I want to say, Pastor Chris 
uh, last week actually helped us with uh, a very important um, illustration that he gave. Actually, it was, it was his real-life situation where his brother had been someone that he was seeking for a long time to see saved. And he reminded us in that moment that if we as believers are all committed to the mission, are all prioritizing the mission, that we might find that God is using people around the world, people in our family and friends' everyday life to spread the gospel to them. And he may use that to save them as he did in Pastor Chris's brother's life. And so prioritizing the mission is something that when we all commit to doing that together, we will see our family and friends, the people closest to us, continually being saved by the power of the gospel. Amen? We prioritize the mission. We go on, verse Verse 60, nope, 61. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to those at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. In this Jesus, we see a... Uh, uh, a request that is very similar to the last guy. And in this, we actually get a little bit of a, a picture of um, something of a, a progression, sort of like a continual. And we don't know if this man was actually in the presence of the other man when Jesus spoke to him. But we do see a sense where there's continual desire among these uh, would-be followers to to question or to, to put something in place before, prioritize something before following Jesus. And Jesus gives with this a warning. And so this warning could be applied really to all these situations. He, he tells him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is worthy. This picture that he gives is of a farmer who continually gets distracted as he's doing his work. And what happens by continually getting distracted is he ends up uh, plowing a crooked line. And what this looks like is he ends up going into rocky places. He ends up going into places that cannot be uh, used for cultivation, for farming. And, and what happens is he wastes time and resources that are essential to his livelihood, especially at this time. So you can imagine, no one wants to hire this guy to plow. But furthermore, as, as Jesus is actually saying, this guy is actually, he ends up wasting what was given to him. He ends up wasting his life. He ends up wasting his time. And with this, we actually see what this man was being distracted by. Look at the text. He says, I just want to go and say goodbye to those at my house. So notice that this man has people and he's got a place. He's got a home. He's got people. Jesus just finished telling someone else that if you follow me, you are following a homeless man. 
I have no home in this world. And so you can imagine the temptation to, to see the, the, the home that he has as something worth holding on to, just in case, right? Just in case. But not only that, is Jesus also told another man that he's going to have to leave behind some of his people. This man has people. Got people at his house that he wants to say goodbye to. That, that, that kind of leads us to this picture of people who he loves, people who he cares about. He wants to make sure they're okay. And this is a similar picture as having family, people close to you. Jesus is calling him to, to leave them behind. This is a a hard call. We can see the temptation. And what it really is, is Jesus is actually calling him to, telling him that to follow him, he has to be willing to leave behind, to, to untie himself from his earthly possessions. To follow Jesus, we must let go of worldly possessions. This reminds me of um, quite a few years ago now, Alethea and I, we went to visit some friends up north. And uh, during that uh, visit, I had a a plan in the back of my head that this would be the the moment for me to propose to this uh, amazing woman that God had uh, blessed me with. And in that I had a very loose plan, didn't really think through exactly how this would work. I just knew it was a beautiful place. And uh, when I saw the, the lake in particular, it happened to be a time that we went where um, a lot of people had left their, their um, vacation homes. And so it was pretty quiet on the lake and the sun was glistening off the water and all that good stuff. And so I'm like, you know, I'm going to go ahead and do it on the lake. Keep in mind, I don't know how to swim. So this was a, a huge risk. But Alicia is a lifeguard, so. Um, so we got into the boat, and I quickly untied the boat from the dock, and we started rowing. It's a rowboat, so we started rowing. And I'm going. I'm working hard. But I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> Something's wrong. And I figured, you know what? Maybe, you know, I can't look weak here. Maybe I need to really push off. And so I start putting my back into it, but I'm not going anywhere. And, and so I look back, and I realize that I was actually still tied off. There was two points that they had tied off. And, and so no matter how hard I worked at rowing, I was not going anywhere while I was tied to something behind me. And this is what Jesus is actually pointing us to in this. As long as we are tied to earthly possessions, we will not move forward in following Jesus. This is not a commitment that we can make where we've got 99.9% of ourselves in, but 1% is tied to what we've got back here. We've got to be fully committed. If throughout this sermon you felt that following Jesus is hard, I want to I let you know that we're on the same page. 
It is absolutely hard. In fact, this passage is meant to help us understand that the call to follow Jesus is greater than any other call that has happened throughout history. This is the single most important call that every human being is given to follow Jesus. And so it's hard, but there are a couple things in this passage that help to make it a little bit easier. First, Jesus actually, this passage, Jesus shows us that he is actually always with his disciples. He never leaves them. Notice from the very beginning, he's the one that is correcting them. Throughout, he's correcting them again and again. This is a beautiful thing we see in Matthew 28. At the end, Jesus tells his disciples that I will be with you to the end of the age. In John 14, Jesus tells his disciples, gives them a very tangible promise that that I will send you a helper, the Holy Spirit, who will be with you. And one of the things the Holy Spirit does is he reminds us of all the things that Jesus said. This is one beautiful picture that we have. Jesus is with us throughout this journey. But another very beautiful thing that is in this is, that helps us in this is, is seeing the final destination. I want to take you back to verse 51. He says, when the day, when the days were coming to a close for him to be taken up, this picture that, that, um, that, that word taken up is actually alluding to or pointing to is the, the ascension of Jesus. This reminds us of something so amazing that even though Jesus journeyed to Jerusalem where he would die for the sins of all, and in fact, suffer and die and be buried. Jesus does not stay in Jerusalem. He doesn't stay dead. He doesn't stay in the grave. Hold on. We didn't get that. We didn't get that. We didn't get that. Our God, our Savior, our, our Lord, the one who we are committed to following, he doesn't stay dead. He doesn't stay in the grave. He raised, he's raised to new life and he ascends and returns to heaven, to glory. Following Jesus means that we don't stay in a, a place of suffering. We don't stay in the grave or dead that we also will be resurrected like Jesus was by the power of the spirit to new life. Our final destination is glory. This is the beauty of this journey, that following Jesus is not easy, but it's worth it in the end because he leads us to glory. Cheon said it well in his message last week. He said, Jesus is the one who will successfully lead his people to glory. Amen? Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Thank you that you are real with us. That you're not saying things or keeping things from us that are essential to us. Committing to following you, you tell us straight up so that our commitment can be well-informed. But you also know how frail and weak we are and that without your help, we cannot make it to the end. So you commit to being with us. You commit to, to journeying along with us, to helping us by your spirit throughout this journey. And so because of this, Lord, we can have confidence that he who has begun a good work in us will complete it. And Lord, you know those here who might have been on the fence, who might have been holding on to certain reservations about following you. Lord, I pray that you would be doing a work right now in their hearts to help them as all of us to see how much truly worth it it is to give up everything in this life to follow you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us every day, every moment, continually um, pointing us to this great hope that we have, that one day we will make it to glory. We will be with you forevermore. So Lord, we thank you for all of this. Now, Lord, we, we commit continually those of us who have and those of us who are making the decision now to follow you through Jerusalem to glory. We pray this all for your glory and our joy in you in Jesus' name. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.